All of us at one time or another have to deal with unclean spirits in our lives. Some of you may have had to do it this morning as you dressed your toddler and brought them to church. But on a broader level, we do see unclean spirits at work in our lives, don't we? Who among us doesn't have someone in our life that's giving us a hard time? Maybe even wishing us financial or physical or emotional harm. On our worst days, even, we might even wake up and feel hatred towards them and wish them harm, these enemies and these adversaries. And if there's none of that in our life, we pick up our iPhones and read the headlines or our Facebook feed, and we see ample evidence of systemic evil at work in the world. We see evidence of bigotry and violence. We read about entire villages being slaughtered, innocent, well-meaning civilians being executed. And quite reasonably, sometimes when we read these things, in despair we might even feel hatred or wish violence towards those others who are doing the bidding of those unclean spirits. And we all know that the way of the world has been that sometimes evil has been so great that it's dictated that our country react to it in such a way that we have to go and do violence against this evil we've identified. All consuming, possessing evil, unclean spirits are alive and well in our world. They have been for a long time, though. Jesus, in the first of many miracles he does in the Gospel of Mark, he, he encounters a man that Mark says has an unclean spirit in the temple in Capernaum. And the man presents himself, and it's kind of embarrassing for everyone. You can imagine it's in the middle of the preaching, the teaching time during the, the temple service, the synagogue service. And the, the gospel describes this as you would expect a possession to be described, complete with writhing and all kinds of other things we can associate with it. And so Jesus performs the first exorcism, as it were. He tells this demon to get out, this unclean spirit to depart, and it does. And then Mark says that the people there were amazed and the word that he uses for amazed is the same word you use if you were surprised by a thunderclap. They were astounded and amazed, some, some uh, accounts say. Whatever happened, Jesus shook up the people in there who were the authorities. They saw that perhaps Jesus was there to mess up evil's plans, and not only that, but probably to mess up their plans as well. And it's easy to push these things back on antiquity and, and consider them foreign from our experience. But you know, you can get all the exorcism you want if you go on to YouTube. There's even one with a Nigerian man being exorcised and he's doing horrible things and then his cell phone rings and he stops and he answers it in the middle of the exorcism. There's some that are more realistic. There's some movies that are very frightening. There's some that are kind of silly. At any rate, we feel kind of removed from exorcism. We kind of feel removed here in our 
comfortable existence from all possessing evil. We might even feel removed from Jesus' authority. The demons see Jesus' authority, don't they? But the temple elders don't see it. Maybe we can't see it. But notice how Jesus deals with possessing and all-consuming evil throughout the rest of his, his life and the rest of his ministry. He continues to heal people and to exercise people and to feed people. And then, of course, we all know that he offers himself up on the cross and he confronts the all-consuming evil of empire and of Rome, not by gathering up a revolutionary army, but by offering himself up to those forces who hate him. Another thing we notice today about the the man that he exercises, you know, I like to to imagine who that man was. You know, he might have been a member of, of the congregation that met, might have been a perfectly good man. Maybe he was someone who brought this on to himself. Maybe he was just a random stranger that stumbled into the the synagogue meeting. He's kind of an everyone or every man. And maybe he's even meant to stand in for us in the story, but he is not evil. Now, Jesus shows us that he is not evil. Because see, the the greatest violence that evil does to us, after all, is it tries to convince us that we are the sum total of our unclean spirits. I do believe that there are forces in the world at work outside of ourselves. I don't like personifying them and giving them scaly skin or, or horns or deep, scary voices. I don't even like giving them the benefit of, of powers that make little girls raise up to the ceiling in their bedrooms. I just like calling it evil, though. Evil is real. And evil seeks to convince us that we are evil. Evil seeks to convince us that the options of violence and exclusion are the best options. Evil wants to make us all forget who we are. And we can look back through history and see countless examples of this happening, can't we? Too many of them to name. The Crusades pogroms, Nazi Germany, internment camps in the United States during World War II, slavery, the Jim Crow South, apartheid era South Africa, fundamentalist theocracies that exist today. Entire societies still exist that organize around the concept that violence is somehow a solution. But history is also privileged with a few human beings who arose and insisted that the solution was, as it was for Jesus, good and love and an emptying of ourselves to others, an embrace of nonviolence, driving out unclean spirits with love. Jesus came to establish that creation itself is restored when we repent and we turn away from violence. Jesus went to the cross because of absolute and consuming evil, but we know how the story ends. He not only defeated evil, but he defeated death itself.
I think the work of faith is to believe that the Creator, our Redeemer and our Savior, wants nothing more than to draw close to us and to conquer for us our unclean spirits. The Gospel of Christ proclaims, after all, that that demons must leave in the face of the love of Christ. In many days, we will find that hard to believe. But the work of faith is, after all, living as if it were true. As if it were true in our own souls, in our own lives, and as if it were true in the lives of others. The work of faith is searching out our unclean spirits and believing that Jesus has the authority to cast them out. One of my favorite theologians, Peter Rollins, wrote a book of parables called The Orthodox Heretic. In one of the enigmatic stories he wrote, it's about an an old monk who runs a cathedral. And this monk is at his prayers one night at the altar, and he hears a horrible banging on the door. And he goes to the door, and he is met with a very large, imposing uh, demon, complete with horns and a tail and rotting flesh. But the monk invites the demon into the church with him and invites him to sit. And it's no surprise that the demon is offended by what he sees and by all the goodness, and he begins destroying icons and wrecking the church. And yet the, the old monk goes and kneels, and he continues his prayers. And at the end of his prayers, he rises to go and to have his dinner and to go to bed. And the demon begs to go with him because he's just dinner. The demon continues to tear into him and to curse him violently and to destroy uh, the monk's apartment. And finally, as the old man cleans up dinner, the demon asks the old man if he can give of him the ultimate gift, if he can invite this demon into his heart. And the old man, the monk, smiles at him and says, Of course, what I have is yours. And then Rollins says, The monk's heartfelt response brought the demon to a standstill. For by giving him everything, the priest had retained the very thing the demon had sought to take. For the demon was unable to rob him of his kindness and his hospitality, his love and his compassion. And so the great demon left in defeat, never to return. So in our time of silence, then, why don't we think through areas of our lives, situations, maybe even people, maybe even the headlines that disturb us, and ask God how we might respond to them with the new authority of Christ, kindness and compassion, the authority that we are promised, in the end, will render evil Hopeless.